0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Brilliant to have you back, Simon Alicia here in beautiful Melbourne, Australia, joined this week by Andrew Kiggins in Seattle. Hello,
1: Andrew. Hey, very pleased to be here. It's great, very excited to do my first Australian podcast. So yeah, thanks for having me, Simon.
0: Uh, you're more than welcome. And, and and we do go global, so uh, it's good. We've got international voices today. We've got uh, a nice Scottish accent. We've got a broad Australian accent. You know, It's a Good to have diversity in the voices, that's for sure. And um, Andrew is joining us today because he is a security solutions architect, and he was one of the authors of a white paper that was released recently called AWS Best Practices for DDoS Resiliency. Now, DDoS protection is something that everyone who has any asset on the internet uh, needs to be aware of and needs to be considerate of. And the good thing is that there are many best practices and things that you can do. And this white paper helps break them down. But what I wanted to have uh, Andrew come and do is really give us a little bit of context of what DDoS threats look like and some of the little tips on mitigating them. So, Andrew, actually, before we get into that, do you want to give us a quick a quick tour of your, your credentials? You know, how are you qualified to talk to us about all this stuff? Yeah, people
1: ask me that a lot, you know. And um, so, I, I mean, I've been in the security business for years, uh, you know, various uh, other hardware vendors... Um, security appliance vendors before I came to AWS. And I was actually hired into AWS specifically to address the DDoS threat that we were seeing inside AWS. So as part of the DDoS team, um, we developed some internal hardware and software that we use to protect AWS. And then I've subsequently moved into the architect role, uh, helping out customers, getting some education out there, letting people know how they can use these AWS best practices for their DDoS defense.
0: Fantastic. And so let's maybe define our terms. Um, DDoS is one of those terms that does actually get thrown around in the mainstream media a fair bit and probably well misunderstood as just armies of zombie desktops sitting in people's homes attacking websites on a botnet type thing. Uh, let's define our terms. What What is a DDoS attack and what forms can it take?
1: Yeah, so, so we, we generally use DDoS, you know, in in two ways. Like, there's the, there's the DOS, that's the denial of service, and then there's the DDOS, which is the distributed denial of service. I mean, the the fundamental thing that these attacks are trying to do is to exhaust some sort of resource. And, you know, that could be bandwidth, it could be computing, it could be sessions. And and the whole point of the, the DDoS attack is to basically make your service or application Unavailable, and it doesn't really matter whether it's a single computer um, doing that, or, or it's a some kind of botnet that the the miscreants have taken over and they're using. So you know, it can, it can be a single point of attack, or it can be multiple points, and they all fall under the same general category of denial of service attacks.
0: For sure, and it's it's interesting in the in the white paper, um, and there'll be a link in the show notes, obviously, to this. Um, there's a really nice summary of the different attacks that can take place at the different layers of the OSI model. And uh, it, it you know, I talk to a lot of IT people in this day and age. I'm showing my age now because I've been doing this for about 25-plus years now. And the number of IT professionals who are not even aware of the OSI model is kind of scary because it is a really useful frame of reference and it does yeah. help you understand what you're facing. So there's a really neat table here uh, early on in the paper that talks about what the layers are and what the attacks you're likely to see are. And so what, what I thought we'd do today is kind of pick on it, just a few, um, that we can dive into a bit of detail. And the first one is, um, uh, delivery at the edge or protection at the edge. You know, obviously we have layered defense is always a good oh. strategy. Um, what can we do at the very edge points of our web presence?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think you make a great point about the the defence in depth. You know, it's re- you know, you really have to take a, a kind of wide view of DDoS attacks because there are many different vectors across the OSI stack. And obviously, I think the thing to keep in mind is w- with these layers of defence, w- we really want to scrub as much of this bad traffic as far away from anything that's you know potentially vulnerable. So, you know, getting our defences right out to the edge of our network is, is really the one of the best practices you can do. If you can scrub that traffic before it even gets into your network proper, you know, you're already streets ahead. So, you know, taking advantage of, of CDN technology is a great way to do this. The great thing about CDNs and, and you know, CloudFront being the AWS one is that it has this huge capacity to just soak up massive amounts of traffic. And obviously, you know, coming back to your point, down in the network and the transport layer of the YSI models, you know, volumetric attacks are the ones that we, we see predominantly, whereas further up the stack, we're seeing like application, much more crafted type attacks. But um, that first layer of defense, the CDNs, taking advantage of these massive pipes that you can, um, get with a CDN and, and the surface area that those CDNs with all their different locations presented is really one of the very fundamental ways that you can easily take advantage of to just soak up that volumetric. And another good thing about it, of course, is um, it, it means it's actually the AWS service that's doing the heavy lifting. You're taking advantage of all those servers that are out in our edge locations and when I say edge locations um, it's typically what we call a point of presence it's a, a, you know not quite like an AWS region in scale uh, you know it's much much smaller but but they're much closer um, to the client or the, or the viewer networks where these attacks are simply are being sourced so taking advantage of that um, the proximity to the attacker and the large surface here kind of two to of the key points of getting that uh, protection at the edge.
0: For sure, for sure. The other nice thing I like about using, you know, a technology like CloudFront is that, you know, as a, as an architect, you should be using it anyway, because yeah. it actually improves your customer experience. So it's, it's one of the, you know, often people get a little upset about the security mitigations they have to put in because it's kind of like, it's like buying insurance. You know, no one likes to buy insurance, but you kind of got to do it. Whereas with CloudFront, well, you should be doing it anyway to have a really speedy performance site. And as a benefit, you have DDoS protection as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely you know, it's it's almost like oh, you know, and 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 as well, you know, if you're using the CD, and you get this DDoS protection, you know, not practically for free, really, because you know, it's it's part of the architecture of the edge locations to be massively scalable and be able to handle large volumetrics. I mean, it, it's all, it's part of the internals of the service that make it so useful. Mm-hmm.
0: And as we're talking about volume, you know, it would be remiss of us not to mention our old friend, the ELB, the Elastic Load Balancer, and it's a newer cousin, the ALB, the Application yeah. Load Balancer. Um, how does how does the ELB fit in to, again, this this defense in depth model?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, one of the interesting things about the ELB use case is obviously, you know, it's targeted the HTTP session termination but it's also got the, the TCP mode. And there's definitely places where the content delivery network isn't going to be uh, usable by certain customers. You know, they don't necessarily have a, a web presence. They've run, they're running either APIs or other protocols running on top. So they're not able to use the CDN capabilities. And, and the ELB, in fact, is a great story. We, we had a guy up on stage at reInvent a couple of years ago, Adrian Newby from CrowdPeak. And he actually walked the audience through how Crown Peak protected uh, a, a very important customer of theirs from a very large, prolonged years like, simply by using ELB. And it's a scalability story. You know, the DDoSs tend to be kind of financial in nature. There's, there's other reasons as well, but very often it's purely financial. Um, and it's the, the bad thing about DDoS in general is very cheap to launch. Um, and very expensive to protect. Well, kind of the scalability of ELB turns that in its head uh, because you get this on demand scalability in your load balancer that you can use to absorb that DDoS traffic when it comes uh, and then just scale it down back to normal traffic levels when you don't need it. So, you know, the cost, it takes the cost play out of the DDoS and, and gives you this great DDoS protection. As I mentioned, TCP based. Um, So many of these large attacks are UDP in nature, what they call a reflection attack, where the attacker uses a nuance of the protocol to get this very large amplification attack to leverage their, their, their botnets. And the thing about that is ELB drops the UDP traffic. So these large volumetric attacks hitting an ELB are simply going to be dropped on the floor. Um, other attacks like uh, TCP SYN floods, ELBs have uh, SYN cookies, which is one of the mechanisms that can be used where you don't actually allow that attack to take up your connection pool resources. That's on by default. So it's going to handle those kind of attacks very, very nicely. And again, you know, the scalability story on itself is very, very good because you can just simply scale them up uh, to absorb these some very large attacks.
0: Exactly. And that's where I think some of the thought process from security professionals, um, is evolving because again, in the past, we we're used to sort of having to make a significant investment in a specific, you know, hardware load balancer of a particular performance criteria. And one thing we know about these DDoS attacks is they get bigger and bigger and bigger, as you say, because the economics of, of getting, you know, low cost compute from compromised mm. systems out there. Uh, you kind of couldn't win that arms race whereas with the elasticity of the elb and the elasticity of the cloud in general um you you can you can play that game and and really you know on one level ddos is very very sophisticated technologically on another level it's quite simple saying hey who's who's bringing the bigger either capacity to attack or capacity to to defend to the fight and and as you say if someone's attacking you and you're just soaking it up easily they're going to move on you know, there's no interest there
1: that's that yeah we see that we actually saw that um Last Christmas, when the, when the script kiddies had to go with some Minecraft servers, um, and they almost realized immediately that this particular Minecraft server was behind CloudFront, and, and simply you know, the amount of money it would have cost them to launch an attack was going to be absolutely prohibitive, so they, they didn't even bother launching the attack. And, you know, and, and the, 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 just the general scaling story is really important. Obviously, we've got things like the EC2 auto-scaling as well that you can take advantage of when you're, you're trying to ramp up your back-end servers. So the scaling story right from the very edge with CloudFront through the ELBs or the ALB now um, all the way to the back-end servers and the EC2 is, is very applicable.
0: Absolutely. Now, in terms of uh, protection, one of the other elements in the white paper that you speak about really well, I think, is reducing the attack surface and and this is I, I guess a, a common mitigation technique, but something that's not necessarily as well understood as as would like um with many customers, that just because you've deployed um some resources in a VPC, they're actually not visible on the internet until you make them visible. So let's talk a little bit about attack surface and some of the things we can do to protect about, you know, you can't attack what you can't find. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, so obfuscation is a great technique. I think, um, you know, generally people are spinning things up in VPCs, but one of the things to note about that just in the general security context is when you launch something inside a VPC, it's – it's secure by default you know the, the minimum holes are poked uh, just to allow SSH access so you've actually got to enable um, access into your vpc um, you would specifically have to make those subnets public and really you should make a decision up very up, up front you know is this something that needs to be exposed or is this something that's internal is that, you know an internal database is that a back-end server you know and you want to hide those kind of resources from the you know the public internet because you know if they're not reachable um, and by default they wouldn't be then they're not attackable so it's a, it's obfuscation is a great story the other thing um, is taking advantage of if you can bring it back to the CDN you can scope down you know what addresses can actually reach your EC two instances inside your VPN. and you can say you know I'm, I'm building a security group and you know, yeah, I'm going to open up port 80, for example, to my website, but, on, but I'm only going to open up to this very restricted set of IPs. So you can actually whitelist sources to make sure only those sources can get to you. And that's quite a common technique for web servers uh, being fronted by CloudFront, for example. And you can say, yeah, I'm going to whitelist the CloudFront range and they're, they're going to do the caching for my website. Anybody else that tries to get the, to my IP address is simply going to be dropped. So that's, that's definitely one aspect. The other aspect, of course, is separation of services, and this is going to be really interesting as we see the ALB being built out. Um, we, we want to get to a place where we're not mixing services together because obviously, you know, if I've got a web server and a mail server and an FTP server, um, some of those things have a really good story you know, for being cached, um, but they all require different ports and there's various things that you can do to attack certain applications. And you want to make sure that just because one set of services is being attacked, that there's no spillover. So, for example, if somebody goes and finds my FTP server because, you know, I, I can't put CloudFront in front of that, it has to be public then that IP address isn't the same one that's being used from our website. So separation of services, you know, separate fleets, separate front, uh, separate ranges of IP uh, that are accessible to the internet is, a, is another really general good IP uh, security best practice that we really try and push. So obfuscate it. You know, screw down the the amount of space that you're really making available, and then, and then hide those resources that you just do not want to be accessed. And that the combination of those three things makes it extraordinarily difficult for attackers
0: to find holes. Absolutely, and and as you as you said at the start, I mean, the, the, uh, these resources when they're deployed are actually um, deployed in their most secure modes. Right. You've actually got to explicitly allow, which is what we like. You know, we want to. Want to have a conscious decision to say if something's exposed to public access and then the right mitigations can be. Yeah, just
1: general, I mean, just generally it's a good security posture to have. I mean, to, you know, us completely aside, you know, only, you know, it's minimum access, minimum privilege, you know, another really good security
0: philosophy. Exactly. Now, the great thing about this white paper is that it is, you know, I think very accessible. It's only 24 pages. So you're not sort of sitting there with this massive tome. Um, it gives you, actionable things to do. So it's not saying, hey, here's a risk. It's saying here's the mitigation, here's how you go about it, plus links to more technical detail where where necessary as well. So, um Andrew, I think this is one of those white papers that, you know, if people are in their organisation and they're maybe not making the progress they'd like with their security colleagues, they could kind of quietly slide <laughs> it across the table and say yeah. – Take an look. Of that, yeah. was, that the, was that the intent? Was right. that the intention behind writing the? I think, the paper? I
1: think that, yeah, we were trying to achieve a couple of things. I mean, one thing's obviously you know to educate people about what they can do um, and a philosophy about how to go about you know defending against these types of DDoS attacks. And, and as you say, you know, practical <laughs> advice. You know, because obviously you know a lot of companies they either don't have dedicated security people who who look at this stuff day by day or, you know, it's just not part of their day job. So what we want to say, you know, this is the way you solve the problem and give very prescriptive guidance. You know, obviously, uh, with some of the use cases, we've tried to spell out the best practices for any given um, type of architecture or attack and and really make it easy for people to understand, you know, how you can leverage AWS and the services and, you know, the, the best way of, implementing the architecture to make them really ddos resilient that's great
0: andrew thank you so much for coming on and giving us a sample the, the link will be in the show notes so hopefully lots of our listeners will download and have a great. read
1: well that was absolutely my pleasure simon always interested to talk about ddos and security so yeah <laughs> uh, thanks for, thanks very much for having Can't me get enough.
0: <laughs> good on you thanks everyone for listening as always we love to get your feedback AWS Podcast at amazon.com Uh, Tell your friends that the podcast is around. It's easy to sign up to and listen to. Lots of different uh, sources that you can get it from. And until next time, keep on building.